0: Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now, let's learn some real history. All right, welcome back, everybody, all around the world. This is episode number twenty-five. Great to have you back here, and I'll tell you what—it's great to be back on this uh, on this podcast. You know, there are times when I really do think the best part of my week is when I get to when I get to uh, share this information of the founding fathers with you folks. I thoroughly enjoy that, and uh, creating another great episode where we can come together and share this information and study from the founding fathers is just a uh, fantastic you know speaking of uh, another episode I uh, did drop an episode of the patreon podcast over on patreon.com slash podcasts with Roman the uh, as always the link is in the description box to this podcast and you know I mention it because I don't know how and I'll, I'll I'll tell you exactly what that podcast is about and then you can decide whether or not you want to go listen to it it's um I don't know how many people are actually aware in the United States that just a couple of weeks ago the United States Congress came within a heartbeat of creating a requirement for women in the United States to register for the draft, the military draft. Did you know that? I mean, it was, it, they were literally within a heartbeat of doing it. And then suddenly at the 11th hour, it was pulled back. And I honestly, I know that some Americans are aware of it, but I, I am very certain also that probably a majority of Americans were not aware of it because there wasn't a lot of talk about it. So my latest episode over on Patreon is about. The military draft for women, and it, I dive deep into that topic because you know you listen to other people talk about it. They'll probably talk about it for about five, ten minutes at most, and then they're kind of on with their day. I really do pick it apart in there, and I go pretty deep on the subject. And if you're if you think because they pulled it out of this uh, most recent piece of legislation that um, it's not going to come back again, it, it will come back again. So it's not over. Um, and if you're not informed on that particular topic, I got an episode that might help inform you on it. Uh, so if you want to go over to Patreon and check that out, that's uh, that's a pretty perfectly good place to go to get educated on that particular subject. And, uh, you know, why do I do that? Why do I keep uh, trying to send you folks over to the Patreon side for my other podcast? Well, for obvious reasons. I mean, it is a subscription podcast. It does cost money to get over there uh, and to listen to that stuff, and that's kind of the whole point. It's meant to uh, reinforce and support my podcasting work is really what it's supposed to do. And uh, I really appreciate you folks for uh, for giving it a listen if you go over there and check that out. And if you find out you don't like it, you can always cruise out of there. You don't have to stick around the Patreon site if you don't want to. It's not like the Hotel California, you know, where you can uh, check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. It's not like that. Don't worry. So you can, if you if you go over there and you find out you don't like it, you can go ahead and bounce right back out. But I thought that was an important topic that most Americans are largely unaware of what just recently happened a couple of weeks ago. And so I figured I would drop an episode on it and uh, talk about it a little bit with you folks. Uh, so there is that. Now, what are we going to talk about today on this episode of the podcast? Speaking of sneaky legislation, and I don't know if I would regard that that particular topic I was just talking about as sneaky legislation, but although I do really feel like they were trying to sneak that under the wire, because again, there wasn't a lot of talk about it. But, you know, it's not the it's not a new thing to do something like that, uh, to try to sneak legislation under the wire. The, uh, the British Parliament used to do stuff like that, too, and Samuel Adams is going to talk to us today about that. He's going to be our guest on the podcast today, and as a... As our uh, good friend Mr. Uh, John Adams once said, the true history of the American Revolution cannot be written without the character of of Samuel Adams. I tend to agree with that. So we're going to read a letter that was written to a Mr. Joseph Hawley by by Samuel Adams from Boston on October the 4th, 1773. Now, we're going to read a portion of the letter. This is actually quite a lengthy letter. We're we're definitely not going to read the whole thing, but there's a small little piece of this letter that I found particularly interesting. Uh, So let's let's start reading here about, no, I don't know, deep into this letter, I guess. Quote, But his lordship might very safely make the promise. For from all that I have heard, his plan of redress is built very much upon the hopes that we may be prevailed upon, at least implicitly to yield up the right of which his lordship is as fixed in his opinion as any other minister. This I conceive they have had in view from the year 1763. And we may well remember that when... The Stamp Act was repealed. Our friends in Parliament submitted as a condition of the repeal that the Declaratory Act, as it is called, should be passed. Declaratory of the rights and authority of Parliament to make laws binding upon us in all cases whatsoever. Till that time, the dispute had been limited to the right of taxation. By assuming the power of making laws for America in all cases, at the time when the Stamp Act was repealed, it was probably their design to secure, as far as they could do, It by any act of their own, this particular right of taxation, thinking at the same time that if they could once establish the precedent in an instance of so much importance to us as that of taking our money from us, they should thenceforward find it very easy to exercise their precedent, their pretended right in every other case, end quote. Oh my, what are we talking about here? He's talking about, I mean, he starts off earlier in the letter talking about uh, the king, King George III and a gentleman by the name of Lord Dartmouth, and specifically plans that they had, whether the king was uh, amendable to it or not, plans that the parliament had laid in motion from 1763. Did you hear that in the letter? Quote, this I conceive they have had in view from the year 1763, end quote. What the heck was going on back in 1763? Well, he mentions it in here. Quote, and we may well remember that when the Stamp Act was repealed, our friends in Parliament submitted as a condition of the repeal that the Declaratory Act, as it is called, should be passed, end quote. Mm, okay. So as you may recall, the uh, Parliament once upon a time tried to levy all kinds of taxes on the colonists by way of the Stamp Act. And this was their attempt at trying to get at the uh, the money in the pockets of the colonists and tax them, which the colonists took issue with because they weren't represented in Parliament. Taxation without representation, it goes way back. And... The funny thing was, the Parliament did eventually repeal the Stamp Act, but when they did, they passed something else at the same time. And it was called the Declaratory Act. Now, what in the world did the Declaratory Act do? Well, Sam Adams told us, quote, Till that time, the dispute had been limited to the right of taxation. By assuming the power of making laws for America in all cases... At the time when the Stamp Act was repealed, it was probably their design to secure, as far as they could do it by any act of their own, this particular right of taxation, thinking at the same time that if they could once establish the precedent in an instance of so much importance to us as that of taking our money from us, they should, thenceforward, find it very easy to exercise their pretended right in every other case, end quote. So the Declaratory Act basically was said to give Parliament the right to command the colonies by legislation in every single aspect of their lives. Think about that. So on the one hand, they're repealing the Stamp Act, saying, okay, okay, colonists, you don't like the Stamp Act, we'll repeal it. But at the same time, they kind of sneak through the back door another bill that says, well, we're not repealing the Stamp Act because we think we can't tax you. As a matter of fact, we think we can pass legislation and legally legislate you on any issue that we so please, regardless of what you say and regardless of representation. Physical representation inside the parliament. They have this concept of virtual representation. Isn't that hilarious? Which actually is not that dissimilar from what we have here in the United States of America presently. I may talk about that at another time. But it's very sneaky, isn't it? Very sneaky. You know, these politicians, these uh, these. These people in Congress and in parliaments, they are very sneaky individuals. They like to try to sneak this kind of stuff in through the dark of night, don't they? And it's not that dissimilar from what I talked about with the uh, the draft, the military draft earlier in the episode. It's somewhat similar. Although, again, it was really out there. And on the one hand, it was out there in broad daylight for everybody in the United States to see. But on the other hand, they didn't really talk about it much. I mean, did somebody hold a town hall in your, in your congressional distri- district talking to you about this? Did they canvass the community for opinions from everybody to determine whether or not they actually wanted to do that? Not really. Uh, As best as I can tell, I don't know that—honestly, I don't know know that anybody actually did it. I never heard of anything like that. Between September and December, which is when this was being— passed through the House and the Senate and so on and so forth. Uh, Eventually, again, it got kicked out. But it's the same kind of situation here. They didn't necessarily pass the Declaratory Act in the dark of night, so to speak. People knew about it, but it was just so ambiguous. And it didn't really impact anybody immediately because the stamp Act was repealed. So they didn't really do much about it until later on. And here's Samuel Adams writing about it 10 years later in 1773. And of course, when the Intolerable Acts are are really implemented later on, 1774, that is basically the final result of the Declaratory Act. That is Parliament finally executing on the Declaratory Act. It lied dormant, really, for the most part, for the better part of a decade before Parliament actually sprung the trap and began to enact this kind of tyranny in the colonies, mainly Massachusetts and Boston. And isn't that a fascinating concept? A piece of legislation that largely lies dormant without anybody really thinking anything of it, except a few people, and then suddenly a decade later the trap is sprung, so to speak. Doesn't that give us a little bit of a warning from history? Doesn't that tell us something about... Uh, These tyrannical mindsets in, in, in parliament or in Congress or in the central power or wherever. These people play the long game. The tyrant will always be willing to play the long game. And they will count on you being distracted by who knows what. And then before you know it, they'll spring the trap. And they may have the trap laid in place for many, many years. And then suddenly, just one day, you realize, oh my goodness, here we are. That's what happened to the colonists, a great many of them, who did not see this coming. Some of them did, but a great many didn't see it coming. And then when the Intolerable Act's suddenly coming along ten years later after the Declaratory Act, it's like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what they were talking about. Exactly. No, no kidding. Of course it was. Now, I'm going to ask the same question I always ask. I can hear it out there right now. Somebody's like, oh my gosh, Roman, he's going to say it, isn't he? Yes, he's going to say it. I can feel he's going to say it. Yes. Do you think this can't happen here? Do you think this cannot happen in the United States of America today? This kind of sneaky legislation that gets passed lies dormant for about a decade, maybe longer, and then suddenly they spring the trap. And here's the most nefarious thing about it. Parliament knew what they were doing when they passed this, the Declaratory Act. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew that they were going to use it to beat the colonists over the head with a hammer, metaphorically speaking. Well, I, I don't honestly, you might say literally, because it isn't very long before the uh, British military starts shooting at and clubbing the colonists in in Massachusetts and elsewhere. So you might say that's actually literally and figuratively. They knew they were springing a trap. And what did we talk about on the last episode? Excuse me, the previous episode. I always say the last episode. It makes it sound like it's the end of the podcast or something. Anyway, the previous episode, episode 24. What was it John Adams told us about taking off the mask? Isn't that a problem that we all have? Every country in the world has this problem. It's not just the United States. It's not just the British and the colonists in 1774. It's every part of the world all the time. There's always people running around wearing the mask, uh, as John Adams put it, pretending to be a friend of liberty, or as I would put it, constantly talking about democracy. I mean, the more often you hear uh, somebody from the central power or parliament or congress or wherever say the word democracy, the more you should be scared. I'm not making that up. Some people are going to disagree with me. Oh, Roman, for Pete's sake. It's not so bad to use the word democracy. It just means freedom and democratic principle. Uh, You know, it it really doesn't. That's not what they mean when they say it. At At least, again, that was my contention on the previous episode, episode 24. And I believe that when they say it, they're really trying to communicate something else to you if you really listen. It's that it's that window behind the mask, and that's what this declaratory act really was. It was them, you know, it was them kind of hiding something behind the mask of repealing the Stamp Act. You know, it's uh, on the one hand they're they're uh, they want to shake your ha- they want to reach out their right hand to shake your hand and say everything's going to be all right, but behind their back with their left hand they're holding a baseball bat and they intend to use it. And again, do you think this cannot happen today? I hope not. I hope you think, of course, of course, of course, Roman, it can happen. I hope that's what you're saying out there, uh, because yes, it, it it absolutely can happen today, and it does. I mean, how many times have? And honestly, sometimes it's hard to know whether or not a Congress or a Parliament even know that they're doing it. It's possible that even Congress or Parliament could be bamboozled by this thing. But honestly, it's a it's a it's a willing it's a willing confusion on their part. It's it's a. Um, It's a self-imposed stupidity, as I would call it, because how many times have we heard that um, in the United States, I don't keep track of the bills that go through Parliament in uh, in Britain or anywhere else for that matter, but I do pay attention to the bills that go through the United States Congress. How many times have we heard about a bill that's 2,000 pages long that they vote on in the dark of night, and heck, half the time they try to pass it by a voice vote, not even a roll call vote? Does everybody out there know the difference between a voice vote and a roll call vote? Uh, if you don't, a voice vote is basically where they get a, a number of members inside the Congress, and if nobody, if really if nobody protests and demands a roll call vote, they just go ahead and pass it based on the voice vote in the in the Congress. They don't they don't actually count the votes, if you know what I mean. A roll call vote is where they actually have to get everybody in there, and they have to actually count the votes, and so on and so forth. Sometimes they sneak things through by voice vote. They don't even count. They don't even take actual votes. I'm not making this up. And they sometimes they pass these 2,000-page bills. Do you think they read, that every congressman actually sat down and read 2,000 pages of that bill? Of course not. What's in that 2,000 pages? They don't know. And you don't know because you didn't read it either. Is it possible that there's something in there like the Declaratory Act? Absolutely there is. How would you ever know? You won't until they spring the trap. Somebody knows it's there. That, that's, the, that's the dark secret. Somebody knows that it's in the bill. The problem is very few people—the only people who know it's there are the people who are going to spring the trap because it's buried so deep in that 2,000 pages, you will never be able to find it. And chances are the people who are voting on it in Congress are never going to be able to find it. And then then that actually leads to an even deeper question. Who was it who put it in the bill? If Congress isn't getting together and, you know, in in committee and together very loudly and proudly, you know, putting all of this stuff in the bill, which would take forever— and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. That's the way it should be done. But they they would argue, oh, it just takes forever. We need to have somebody just kind of write this thing up uh, anonymously and kind of ramrod it through the Congress, you know. But if it's if it's not being put together, you know, out in the daylight with everybody kind of com every every congressman commenting on it, who's who's putting it together? Honestly, I don't know half the time. I'm not saying there's a conspiracy out there. I'm just saying it's and it's obviously it's not a conspiracy. They're just they're just doing it, but. This happens on a fairly regular basis. And is it that dissimilar from the Declaratory Act? Not really. It's the same kind of process. It could be, anyway. Sometimes it's not, and sometimes it probably is. And you need to pay attention to stuff like that, because you might find yourself a decade from now finding yourself under the attack of something resembling the Intolerable Acts. And they've been there the whole time, or at least the the process for it has been there the whole time passed out of Congress or Parliament or whatever legislative body it is that you have in your country, passed out of that legislative body a decade prior or maybe even longer, and it's just sitting there waiting for somebody to use it. This is the great battle that people like the Founding Fathers dealt with, and the, and honestly, well, I've said it before and I'll say it again, this fight never ended with the end of the American Revolution. The Founding Fathers did not kill this beast in the 1780s. They didn't do it. They ended it for a time in the United States, but that's all they did. It's still alive out there, and there could still be something like the Declaratory Act running around, just waiting, waiting for the right moment for somebody to use it against you. The same way that Parliament used uh, their Declaratory Act against the colonists in Massachusetts and Boston. By shutting down the port, by changing up the assemblies, the legislative assemblies, by playing around with the court system and all the rest of it and taking away people's rights and and so on and so forth. It's, It's a very nefarious thing that they did, very nefarious. And it led to a shooting war, which is why I tell you about this. You might be asking yourself, Roman, why on earth are you talking about this on this podcast? Why why on earth? Well, because this is all about learning the lessons of the Founding Fathers. If you want to, and by the way, the people, do you think that the British Parliament believed that this would lead to a shooting war? Honestly, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, I really do believe that they were so arrogant that they could ride roughshod over the colonists and just do whatever they darn well pleased as soon as they sprung the trap. But it did lead to a shooting war. So if you want to avoid that kind of thing in the future, if you want to avoid, you know, bad things happening when they, when somebody decides to, quote unquote, spring the trap, probably ought to keep an eye on this kind of stuff and make sure that your legislative body, parliament, Congress, whatever, isn't doing crap like that, don't you think? And if they are, you probably ought to give them a, fair, a fairly stern talking to. And so, when, when Parliament was basically saying again, just to, just to recap through the declaratory Act that they could legislate whatever they want whenever they want because they have total control over the colonies because they're the Parliament, of course, and they represent the colonists, even if the colonists have no physical representation in the parliament it's it's like virtual representation they represent everybody in the British Empire, regardless of whether they're there or not doesn't really matter now here's the thing the the colonists would maintain that. Taxation without representation and probably a lot of other things without representation are illegal. It violates their consti- their constitutional rights, what they viewed as their their constitution, which was a combination of, you know, British documents written down throughout history, including the Magna Carta, but also the charters of the various colonies that they had that said that they were to govern themselves to a certain extent. And in the realm of taxation was one of those areas where the colonists believed that they have sole authority because they are the only ones that can represent themselves there locally. You can't do this out of a parliament 3,000 miles away in 1774. There's no telephones, there's no telegraph wires, there's no nothing, and getting across that ocean is a challenge in itself. So it has to be done locally. Otherwise, you have this parliament that's very distant and disconnected from the colonists that's able to reach into their pockets and and take their money. And the colonists took this very, very seriously, this concept of somebody reaching into their pockets and taking their money away. This was dead serious to them. And it should be dead serious to us today. I'm afraid it's probably not. It should be, but it's not. I think we've been disconnected from this sentiment that the colonists felt. And uh, frankly speaking, I don't know where that co- I don't know where that got lost along the way, but I think it probably has. Probably best that you kind of refortify that spirit, right? The spirit of liberty. Very important that you reinforce that. And although the parliament thought that they could do they could pass anything out of the legislature, the parliament, they could pass anything out of their parliament and it was legal, the colonists thought otherwise. They didn't think that anything passed out of parliament was strictly legal. And they were right in my opinion. It was illegal for the parliament to be passing some of these laws that they passed, including taxation without representation. It was, it was not just, it was morally illegal, and frankly speaking, it was illegal according to the way the colonies had been run for a good long time, and we've demonstrated that in taxation without representation. So there's another fundamental lesson for you folks. Just because a legislative body, be it a parliament or a congress, passes a law, just because they pass a law does not necessarily make it legal. Yes, I said it. That's that's the mark of a tyrant, isn't it? Just because you do something. The tyrant will always say, just because I did something, it's legal. Some people think it's different when it goes through a legislature. Oh, because it went through a legislature and we're represented, uh, it's, it's legal because it went through a legislature. No, it's not. Not necessarily. That could be an illegal act, technically. We've talked about that uh, before. I believe we were I believe it was on the episodes of the Declaration of Independence we talked about a Supreme Court case in the late 1800s that declared the income tax or some portion thereof unconstitutional and illegal now this, this was before the passage of an amendment in the constitution which made it legal so don't don't go around thinking that it's illegal today cuz it's not it was illegal though and unconstitutional in the late 1800s which is why congress came in and the states honestly came in and ratified a, a uh, an amendment to the constitution so there you go. There's a prime example of Congress passing something that was perfectly illegal. So don't go thinking I'm crazy or I'm trying I'm trying to I'm just drumming up a bunch of nonsense by saying that the- it is possible for Congress to pass something that's illegal. It's very possible. As a matter of fact, it's very possible for Congress to pass a bill that's illegal, the president to sign a bill that's illegal and the Supreme Court to render something constitutional, which is, in fact, unconstitutional. It's entirely possible. You got to keep an eye on this stuff, folks. You are there. We have these checks and balances in the United States, and to some certain extent, other countries do as well. You know, we have the three branches of government, executive, legislative and judicial. But there is really a fourth check, a fourth check in the balance of power. There aren't just three checks. There's four. And the fourth check is you. And the, the thing about that is, is in order to be an effective fourth check, you have, you have to know what the others are doing. And you also have to know how to deal with that. Good news, ladies and gentlemen. This may be a tough thing to do, but the Founding Fathers have the lessons for us. And that's what this podcast is all about. This is about the Founding Fathers teaching us what those lessons are. And haven't we been learning that over the last several episodes? About what's going on in 1774 to 1775? These interactions that the Founding Fathers are having with the British government, as the, and the colonists are—you will see it in everything that we're talking about— the colonists were a check on that power. It wasn't just the king— It wasn't just the parliament, and it wasn't just the judiciary. It was the colonists themselves. They were a check on that power. And they exercised it. They didn't just sit at home and watch Netflix. They exercised it. They exercised that check on power. And rightfully so, and they tried to do it as judiciously as they possibly could. We talked about that, four thousand patriots marching a few episodes ago. I mean, if they wanted to get if they wanted to get belligerent, they could have, but they didn't. They were very peaceable about it. Very peaceful. And rightfully so. They had no reason to go, you know, flying off at the handle unless they absolutely had to. So this is uh you know, this is kind of the legacy that we have to carry forward is, you know, this uh this concept of this this very careful watching of what happens in in, in the in the workings of government. The the founding fathers have a great many lessons for us. And when Samuel Adams is talking about this uh, Declaratory Act, it, you know, it really ca- it really caught my eye. And it caught my eye because, I, you know, I think there is uh, a lot of that kind of stuff that goes on today. This uh, laying the seeds for some kind of a tyranny, a trap that they're going to spring on you later. It can happen. The, the British Parliament in 1774 probably weren't the first ones to think of that, and they definitely won't be the last. So let's listen to Sam Adams. Let's listen to the father of the American Revolution. And let's just keep an eye on things. That's all I'm saying. Just keep an eye on things. And when you see something that 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 comes up like that, m- maybe say something about it. That, that's probably what Sam Adams would have us do: is just just speak up, say something about it. And that's that's probably the that's probably a good step in the right direction. What do you think of that? You know, leave a review on this podcast. Let me know what you think about that. Or again, if you so choose, go over to the Patreon side of things. Leave a comment, review, question over there. You know, that's the beauty of the Patreon. Uh, podcast that I have. It does have a forum really open in it that um, by way of comments and and so on and so forth on each episode and messages that you can send me there. It's basically kind of a forum where you can field these kind of questions. If you have any questions over what we're talking about or if you have any comments over what we're talking about or if you disagree with me or if you agree with me, you can uh, funnel that through there. Or again, if you are on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review and you can mention it in, in the review. You can say, well, I listened to this episode and I agree with this or I disagree with that perfectly reasonable way to do that and we can bring that onto this that discussion onto the podcast and have some fun with it and i will be fair about the comments of course So again, uh, I certainly encourage you to go over to Patreon and uh, pick up uh, the podcast over there. I got some great discussions I think we're having over there. I try to build out a great product for you folks if you choose to go over there and support uh, my podcast endeavors. Really appreciate that. And I appreciate you listening to this podcast episode, especially the short-form podcasts that we're doing on the Thursday edition of the podcast. Of course, we will have another feature-length episode uh, coming up on Monday per usual. And we just had we just um, uh, concluded a, a holiday, Christmas, uh, Hanukkah, obviously, as well. And uh, whatever other holiday you might be celebrating around these times, be it New Year's or something else, I certainly hope you have a, a good holiday. I hope you had a good Christmas for those of you who do uh, celebrate Christmas as well. But um, as, uh, as always, I keep the podcast going over here regardless of what time of year it is. You'll notice that most of the podcasters kind of vacate for the holiday, or at least a lot of them do. Uh, they vacate for the holidays, but I'm still here uh, because honestly, I, I really, I really enjoy doing it, and I really want to keep the content coming to you folks. I think we got some very important material to cover here. And I want to keep on uh, delivering that content, that material, so that we can keep the discussion going with the Founding Fathers. Because uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover. And you know, this is this is going to go on for months and years, uh, this stuff that we're talking about. Most likely. And that's uh, that's especially why I appreciate the support over on the Patreon side as well for that podcast that i got going there. That one's going to go on for uh, as long as this podcast goes or longer. Um, some, one of the two. So on the next episode of this of this uh, podcast, we are going to be back into the letters again, and we're going to be. I got some good stuff coming up, and I think we're. I thought I thought the last episode was pretty good. I hope you enjoyed it, and I I think I got another good episode coming up here again this next Monday, and uh, of course that one will be available per per the usual schedule. And with all that said, as always. Very grateful that you tune into this episode of the podcast and all the other episodes. And I look forward to the next one. Look forward to seeing you there. And this is Roman signing out. Thank you.